Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into, so let's head out to the Circuit Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Money, Mona, Grant, how are you? Doing good, doing good. We finally know who the Dodgers are going to play, so I'm kind of, I'm actually happy about it. Yes, so uh, I, I we're, th- we're excited to see it this weekend. I was thinking of you, Grant. So uh, you're mm-hmm. right. We finally know who they're going to be playing. Uh, you had uh, sided with playing a divisional opponent, but I do, I did want to delve into that again, only because I was thinking that a year ago, right, my friend? I was thinking how <laughs> oh, they're, they're going up against the San Diego Padres. They finished 22 games ahead of the Padres. This will be simple work. They win game one, and then they lost three straight. I don't want to blame the goose, but um, <laughs> I, I was a little bummed about that. Why will this be different? Again, once again, the Dodgers run away with the division, and they play a divisional opponent in the divisional series. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I've always been the one to say that the Diamondbacks were the better opponent out of the two between the Brewers and the D-backs. After that series, I'm still a little bit worried about uh, who the Dodgers play, and now they're playing the the Diamondbacks, who looked fantastic. And I mean, they looked like the team that we saw earlier in the year. They had excellent pitching from Zach Gallen in that game, too. He was really good. He's going to face the Dodgers at least once, and probably twice, because I think this series is going to go five. That's I think that the Diamondbacks are going to play very competitive. They have a veteran coach in Tori Lavolo. Um, they have a really good offense. Uh, let's not get it, you know, let's let's get it straight here. The, the, the Diamondbacks offense is pretty good. I know that a lot's been made about Merrill Kelly and a lot about Zach Gallen and that one-two punch at the top of their rotation, but they have Corbin Carroll, who was an all-star, and he started in left field um, for that National League team in the all-star game this year. They have uh, Marte. They have guys like Gurriel who came over. They have a great catcher and Gabriel Moreno who hit a very big home run in game one he was hit in game two and came out of the game that's probably why their their pitching wasn't as good in game two um it was still good the Dodgers have a lot on their plate right now um even whether it was Milwaukee or Arizona it was going to be tough Let, yeah. let's put that out there too is that it was never going to be easy this is not going to be a team that you just sweep this is not going to be a team that you just coast through the Diamondbacks are a good baseball team and this they will push the Dodgers much like you said Arash last year 
you know, we all thought that the Dodgers would just run through the Padres because it's a division opponent. The Dodgers have had plenty of success against the Padres and the Diamondbacks over the years, but this is the playoffs. And yes, the Dodgers did beat the Diamondbacks in the playoffs. And I think it was either 2017, 2018, or 2019. I can't really remember, but they did beat them in the playoffs. So there, you do have that sample size to look at, but that was a completely, completely different team. And this Dodger team is completely different. Um, it's not going to be easy. You have Kershaw going game one. That is now confirmed. He will pitch game one. Um, you're probably going to have Bobby Miller game two. So I like the Dodgers, obviously, in this matchup, but this is not going to be easy. The Diamondbacks have scouting on the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have scouting on the Diamondbacks. So it's kind of even now. You can say, okay, well, the Diamondbacks have enough scouting to say, hey, we know what matchups there are. We know who does good against who. Christian Walker does very well against Clayton Kershaw. That's just, it's facts. So it's not going to be easy. At least we know now who it's going to be. But for the Dodgers aspect, I think it's a good thing because now you know who matches up well against who. You have data of over 15 games that you played against this team over years and years. So um, it's not going to be easy, but I, I like the Dodgers' chances. I think it will go five, though. I think yeah. this is going to be a back-and-forth series. So this is the problem that I had with the postseason last year, and a lot of Pop Padres fans got on me, and and maybe rightfully so. But I mean, so here's my problem with the with the um, playoff and, and how they do it. Okay, so the the Diamondbacks are 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 riding a high right now after winning over the Milwaukee Brewers again. They uh, sweep them in two games, a three game series. So they are kind of coming in with this momentum. It's a five-game series, Grant. And as you know, with a five-game series, like anything can happen. At the end of the day, it's a best of five and the better team will win. But you're playing with fire there. Your thoughts on sort of like, you know, you play 162 games and you prove how good you are. And really, with a five-game series, you you have one bad loss, and then the next thing you know, it spirals out of control, and you have a do-or-die deciding game five. Um, your thoughts on that? I think my thoughts, though, are are my my problems I have is with the wild card round that we just saw. So the Milwaukee Brewers won their division. They were a division winner, and they have a home series against Arizona. And Arizona sweeps them in two games, not just. And this isn't even a five game series. This is a three game series. So there were no series in this wild card round that had another team win they were all sweeps which kind of sucks because you have a team like the tampa bay rays who won 99 games in the regular season and their season's over in two games because it's a three-game series they get a three-game series you know another division winner like the twins they get a three-game series yes they won it but a three-game series after you win 90 plus games i don't think is fair and much like you're saying about the nlds is a five-game series is that really necessary we really yeah. need like it needs to be seven the 100%. nba figured that out very quickly i mean the nba used to be the first round five games yep. and then they switched it to seven uh, because a lot of these teams were getting upset <laughs> and it's just not I, I think it's just not good for a league that wants to have the best teams be available and the stars available all the time right the dodgers won a hundred games and they're going to play a five game series if they lose that first one now they're really on the edge yeah. like that's crazy you can lose one of the first two and now you're in a hole so I agree with your point that it should not be at, at least the top two seeds should not be in a five game series to begin their playoffs, especially after a layoff. Like these other teams have momentum, so it doesn't really make you know matter to them because they're coming in, they've played already. 
the Dodgers and the Braves are coming in and they're going to play a five game series where you lose one of them. And now you have to go back and you could not even see the home field again after you lose one of those first two. If you go to the go to Atlanta or if you go somewhere else and you, you may not even have a chance to come back home, you get three home games. So, um, yeah, it has to change. And there's a lot of things that I the bracketing is weird with the playoff round where the Phillies should be playing the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks should be playing the Braves. The Braves should have their pick of who they want because oh, yeah. they're playing a higher seed and they're the number one seed. <laughs> How does that make sense? I mean, I like it because the Dodgers get a, a weaker opponent, weaker on paper, I should say, but there's a lot of things about this new playoff scenario where it just doesn't make sense to me where the higher seeds get kind of shafted in a few ways. So um, I don't know if they'll tweak it. They said they won't, but it, it's kind of, it, it's kind of sad that you get a five game series to begin yeah, and so we 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 had uh, four sweeps. All of the wild card rounds were sweeps uh, um, in uh, the uh, first round, the wild card round of the Major League Baseball playoffs so far. So, wanted to talk to you about that perfect transition, Philadelphia, right? So they win. Um, they um, they got to the World Series last year. I wanted to get your thoughts on them going against Atlanta now. I mean, they looked very dominant against Miami, um, and I think we both agree that the one team that we certainly didn't want to see in the postseason, if uh, if the Dodgers can help it, is the Atlanta Braves. So your thoughts on that series? Is there a scenario? Is there a chance that Philadelphia upsets Atlanta? And if the Dodgers advance, they don't have to face the Braves. Well, look, the Phillies did it last year. Yeah. They upset the Braves in the first round last year, and everyone thought, oh, the Braves are going to wipe the floor with the Phillies, and this is going to be an easy series. Both of those, I mean, I think you know, a lot of us get caught up in the Dodgers choking away that first round series last year. The Braves did the exact same yeah. thing. So it's not just like one of the teams did it. Both teams did it. This year, it's very well possible again. We saw it in this wild card round. They had Zach Wheeler, who pitched a phenomenal game one. Then they had Aaron Nola, who pitched a phenomenal game two. And their offense, it was dormant for about three to five innings. But after that, they just took off. They have a lethal lineup with Bryce Harper, with Nick Castellanos. Um, Bryson Stott hit a a grand slam um, off of a pitcher that actually hit me in the hand in junior college. I'll say that. So (laughs) kind of got my revenge there. Um, But, you know, the the Phillies, they have a, a high firepower offense their pitching is really good their bullpen is kind of even its way out maybe they have a question at the back end with craig kimbrell and dodger fans know the craig kimbrell experience so i'm yeah. not going to bring that up <laughs> but fair. the braves they're going to have their hands full just like the dodgers are i know that the phillies are a little bit better than the diamondbacks you know talent wise but both teams are going to have their hands full this is the playoffs for a reason nobody saw the diamondbacks beating the brewers i mean maybe a, a few brandon did he'll be the first one to admit that, that he had the <laughs> diamondbacks but uh you know nobody saw any of these teams last year so there could be a lot of surprises and i would not be surprised if both of these series go five and i i could see both teams winning honestly as you look at the entire postseason picture um Give me your kind of predictions. Again, let me kind of set the scene. We've got the Minnesota Twins uh, playing the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers playing Baltimore. What an amazing turnaround for Baltimore and really mm-hmm. both of those franchises. And as I mentioned uh, before, the Diamondbacks Dodgers, Philadelphia, and the Atlanta Braves. Who do you see playing in the championship series? Who do you see in the World Series? And finally, who's going to win the whole thing? 
I have the Orioles beating the Rangers just because I'm very concerned about the Rangers bullpen. Um, their starting pitching was pretty good, Nathan Evaldi. So I have the Orioles advancing in that series. The Orioles have an excellent bullpen. Their offense is very good. They're kind of slept on, but they're the one seed in the American League for a reason. Yeah. Um, I, I have the Astros beating the Twins in four. I think the Twins are kind of riding a high right now, but... They're going to meet the, the Astros who, you know, we all know how good the Astros are. You know, I know in L.A. it's not really a thing to say, but the Astros are a very good baseball team and they're probably going to win that series. Um, would I like to see the Twins win? Obviously, yes, as a Dodger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I have the Dodgers beating the Diamondbacks in five. I think it will go five. I think yeah. this Diamondbacks team is feisty. They have veterans. They have a good mix of young guys. Um, but I do think that the Dodgers veteran leadership will get it done in the end. They'll be at, a, at home in game five. Yeah. Um, and in the other series, I think the Braves do win, but I think the Braves do win in five. Um, I think the Phillies will push them to the edge, but I just like the Braves starting pitching. Um, I like their defense. Um, they have an excellent defense out there. Defense really does win games in the playoffs. Um, and their offense is just absolutely stacked. Um, you have Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna, who's probably going to win the MVP. Um, so I have the Dodgers playing the Braves in the NLCS, just like we all predicted. Yeah. This one is so tough because I would love to say the Dodgers. Oh, it's just the Braves are just so formidable. Arash, you're putting me on the spot here. I know. I'll, I'll do American League first. Let's okay. just go. We'll, we'll do, uh, I, I think the Astros will get back to the World Series. I just think that they're built for the playoffs. This is a team that kind of scuffled in, but I think that they're going to get to the World Series. Um, the Orioles, they're upstart. They're going to be in the ALCS. Great year for them, but I just think they're going to meet their match with the Astros. I'll, I'll say it right now, Arash. I'll, I'll I'll put it out there right now. Astros Dodgers 2017 oh, rematch. Let's do it. It will be a six-game series this time because there are no trash cans, there are no buzzers. There we go. We have everything free, yes. and I think the Dodgers will take it this year. I think they have a moxie to them. They have a grit. I know the starting pitching is an issue, but I just think that this team, with the veterans that they brought in and how well they mesh together, the starting pitching is a question mark, but I think that these rookies will step up. They have a great bullpen from May on. They've had a great bullpen. I think the Stars this year will show up. I think that Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts will not have bad postseasons. I think they'll have a pretty, they'll show why they're stars again. And a lot of people are doubting the Dodgers already. They're already saying, oh, you know, they're not going to beat the Braves. They're not, you know, they're not going to do this and that. That's when the Dodgers thrive. We all know that. That's when they're the best. So I have Dodgers, Astros, Dodgers in six. Love that. This might be a dumb question, (laughs) but are you going to game one? Uh, no, I'm going to game two, uh, so I won't be at game one, uh, but I will be at game two. I'd probably be at the Rams game on Sunday as well. It's oh, so fun. Just throwing that in there, but yes, I will be at game two. <laughs> uh, Grant, I- I- explain why Dodger fans, and I've talked to a lot about, you know, like, listen, you know, when you've gone to the postseason 11 years in a row, and I don't want to sound like a, a spoiled fan, but, you know, when you've gone uh, and you played an 11 straight division series, there's this feeling of, Man, like, you know, are they going to disappoint me again? Are they going to break my heart? It's a unique feeling with this team. I think because they came in with no expectations. No one thought they'd win 100 games. No one thought they'd win the division. Everyone thought it would be the Padres. And they've really gravitated around uh, the new guys. J.D. Martinez, David Peralta, Miguel Rojas, Jason Hayward. Guys who... um, we're not highly touted free agents. Again, when if I gave you that that list, 
and said um, they are going to replace, you know, Trey Turner and Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger. And I, I went down the list. You kind of like shrugged your shoulders. Why have Dodger fans gravitated towards this team? And, and there's a different feeling with this group. Uh, they're having a lot more fun. They're having, you know, there's a lot more energy on, on the bench. You know, when you see a guy hit a home run, there's a bunch of guys, you know, just pouring out of that dugout there's guys that are at the top step ready to cheer you on whether they're on the bench whether they're injured whether they're not playing whatever it may be there's inclusion on this team and you know the, the Dodgers have always been really good with chemistry because Dave Roberts is like the mastermind of chemistry yeah. within a team he's always been good at that but I feel like this team you got the right mix of energy energy guys young guys and veterans like you said Jason Hayward um, you brought in guys like Miguel Rojas who has been a leader um, he's the, the kind of the mastermind behind the tequila shots after every, win, every, every series win. And then you have like superstars like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, who are just the most humble, best teammates you can possibly find in a superstar that's making that much money. Um, and you just put all that together and you have a great front office, a front office that gets you players that will compete all the time. It's kind of just like a perfect mix of a baseball club that, you know, we all said, whoa, well, the Padres are going to win it. But everyone underestimated the chemistry and the cohesion of a team. And that is what is really important about this Dodger team is that it feels like 2017. It feels like that 2017 team where everyone was on the right page, no egos, everyone's going to pass the baton. And I think that's that's so crucial in the playoffs. That's why the Phillies are doing so well. That's why the Astros are doing so well is because they have that and they have a veteran manager in Dusty Baker, the Astros do. So they, you know, th these things matter in the playoffs that may not in the regular season and it did actually because the Dodgers won 100 games but it matters even more in the postseason when you could go into a road game down 0-1 down 2-0 0-2 whatever it may be and still have that faith that you're going to get it done so I think that's the biggest thing for this team as opposed to last year in 2021 and 2019 all those teams that didn't get it done how do you view it uh, this season when, again, generally speaking, since 2017, when the Dodgers have gone into the postseason, they've been the prohibitive favorite. It's World Series or bust. Um, this is a different feel. So as you look not only at this season, but in the future, you know, if, if they get to the uh, championship series, lose to Atlanta in a competitive series, um, A, how do you view this series? And what is this team's plans for the future? Because, again, uh, th this season kind of came out of nowhere. No, no, yeah, no one thought the Dodgers would be bad. But if you looked at the predictions from the people who cover the league, if you looked at the odds in Vegas, this was a 90-win wildcard team uh, that probably wasn't going to go back to the championship series and certainly not the World Series. So what they've done so far is incredible. What's a successful season? And how do you view this team as they look to kind of make a big splash next season. Yeah, you know, it's I know I mentioned the Dodgers and the Astros in the World Series and that that's my pick, but it could very well end before that. You know, we've I've mentioned I've been wrong a lot. You guys know this. I've been wrong a <laughs> times. So nobody's perfect. So my picks could very well be off. So if you have a Dodger team that does lose in the NLCS to the Braves, so be it. This was supposed to be a retool year. This was mm -hmm. you weren't even supposed to be in the position that you are right now. You weren't even supposed to win a hundred games and have a bye no. in the first round and, and push for that one seed like they did at the end of the year so 
if you're going, if you lose before the World Series, okay, yeah, I know there's no moral victories on the Dodgers. You're always trying to win a World Series. That's how Los Angeles is. You're always trying to win titles. But if it is next year, this team is, I think, even more set up than we thought previously because yeah. now you have the sample size of seeing that Bobby Miller is probably a number one pitcher he's probably going to be your ace you have ryan pepio who has turned himself into maybe a number two number three and then you have walker bueller coming back wow. maybe clayton kershaw comes back you saw what james outman has brought to the team this year and so now that's a, a solidified yes at center field you have a lot of young guys like michael bush that you know are probably going to produce next year so there are so many young pieces that this team has that you've seen this year that you're going to take into next year and say, okay, they're going to be even better next year. They're going to learn from this and go into next year with an even with more of a chip on their shoulders. So I think for next year, you have all the cap space, you have all yeah. the young guys, and you still have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. So yeah. it's kind of like a win-win. You know, I know you're going to lose. You know, if you lose, it's not a win-win. But <laughs> if you look towards next year, you yeah. have cap space, young guys, and veterans that know how to get it done. So they're set up for for a great future. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I love about this postseason run. I am not. Um, listen, if they get to the championship series, certainly. <laughs> Certainly, if they get to the World Series against Houston, I do not want to lose to Houston oh, no. in the World Series. But th there, there, there isn't that pressure. Last season, I was at Petco Park covering that series, and this there was like this pressure of like they can't lose to the Padres after a hundred and eleven win season. They can't lose to, to the Padres, which finished twenty two games behind them. There's a different feeling this year, and so I think I'm going to sit back and enjoy these games um, with you, and we'll we'll see how uh, far they go. Uh, but thank you so much, Graham. I definitely wanted you to reset the playoffs now that we know all uh, these schedules. Um, so let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll have to talk to our friend Jill Painter Lopez about last week's USC Colorado game. Uh, we'll talk to her when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 from the California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, let's head out now to the Circus Sports guest hotline. And joining us uh, from the Sporting Tribune, KCAL, KCBS, Jill Painter-Lopez. Jill, how are you? Good, Arash. How are you doing? I am good. Um, Jill, uh, during uh, the first half, 
and up until the six minute mark of the third quarter of that USC Colorado game, I, I was preparing my trash talk. And then I had to sweat it out. You were there on the sideline. You were there in Boulder. Um, okay. Like, so this is my issue with USC. So let's tackle the USC side of this first is that my number one concern about this team when I talk about them as a potential national championship contender is the defense. They go to a year ago, the Pac-12 championship game, giving up all those yards and those points to Utah. And even you fast forward to the Cotton Bowl where they play against Tulane, same thing, over 40 points, over 500 yards. I knew Colorado would score. I, I knew this wouldn't be a, uh, you know, like a six point game or, uh, you know, like I knew they wouldn't hold them to six points. But my goodness, three touchdowns at the end of the game. Um, what stood out to you in total about that game? Well, just giving up those 27 second half points. Uh, obviously, when you. You just look at the way Colorado was able to run the ball, which they had not been able to do against, uh, you know, TCU, Colorado State, Nebraska, uh, or Oregon. Now, all of a sudden, you can run the ball against SC. I mean, one of those uh, touchdowns by Shador Sanders right down Broadway. Yeah. Nobody they zip code up the middle. It was scored standing up. I mean, that, these weren't just like mistakes or missed tackles. I mean, this was just like an absolute, you know, guys were not in position to make the plays. So that, that uh, stood out to me. And I, I just kept thinking was USC cannot play defense like this against these upcoming opponents against Notre Dame. And the, I mean, they have the meat of the PAC 12 schedule. Yeah. Coming up. You know, they, they've had an easier stretch, uh, you know, as they've moved to five and oh, so uh, I just, you know, the other thing that stood out to me was was Bryson Shaw and how much he was defending his defensive coordinator. Like he knew, like, yeah. I know this guy's on the hot seat. And, and he said, he's putting us in the positions we are not executing. But I thought, wow, at this point of the season, five games in, he's, you know, even a player is already saying, like, we love this guy and he's doing well. So, um, you know, they've got a lot of mistakes to correct. But as Lincoln Riley said, you know what, you got to win in the Pac-12 and, you know, you get to move on. That would have been a terrible loss had they given up, you know, that big lead, uh, you know, as they almost did. So, uh, so take me uh, to Boulder. What was the atmosphere like? Again, we, we had touched on this, you know, a 9 a.m. kickoff, a locally Pacific time, 10 a.m. in Boulder. Um, not ideal, but it didn't seem to uh, just take away from, you know, big noon kickoff was there, packed house. What was it like being back in Boulder? It was really cool because there was just so much excitement over the program and so much excitement for the game and so many people out that early in the morning. I mean, I left my hotel in Denver at uh, 6.30 because I was so worried about traffic. And, you know, in, in years past when they've been bad, it's like, okay, of course there's going to be traffic and, and some fans, but uh, I didn't, you know, certain wasn't certainly going to leave that early. Um, and, you know, it was the most credentialed game in the history of Colorado, 870 wow. credentials as we talked about. We all got a notice about how there might be standing room only uh, for a lot of reporters. So I wanted to get in there so I didn't have to Mm -hmm. you know, stand the whole time. Uh, and, and thankfully they got this Colorado alum a seat in the press box. So that was nice. Um, you know, it's, it's funny as I was driving down the 36, I, I saw the whole contingent of USC football buses before 7 a.m. Mountain time. Wow. So that's before 6 a.m. And I was thinking, yeah. you know, this is really early 
for this team. Uh, again, didn't affect them offensively. They were just, uh, you know, amazing. Caleb Williams, amazing as usual. Threw his first interception of the year, but as he said, you know, yeah, we still won the game. He tied his career high six touchdowns. So all that, you know, uh, pomp and circumstance was cool. Uh, and then before the game, the sidelines, uh, it, it just was insane how many <laughs> photographers and camera people were there. And, you know, from the Terrell Owens to the Paul Pierce and the and the Kevin Garnett. And I was like, is this a Celtics reunion, uh, you know, that we've got going here? <laughs> and so many celebrities. I'm telling you, when Dion came out of the locker room for warm-ups before the game, I couldn't even see him in the, you know, entourage that, that moved with him. So um, it was a beautiful day in Boulder. It was like 82 degrees during the game and just, uh, you know, really cool to see uh, people into Colorado football again. Um, and, you know, that offense is is awesome. They were playing without Shiloh Sanders yeah. and Travis Hunter on defense when they get those two guys back. Mm -hmm. And then the other big thing with uh, Colorado, um, you know, that I think there's so much hope for this program is the way Deion Sanders, you know, used that transfer portal to get skilled players. Yeah. You better believe that he's now going to get, because they need guys uh, in the trenches. So offensive line, defensive line, I bet you they get all the, most of the top guys next year to come there and then they'll have a complete team. Is there a silver lining again? I, I, clearly, they wanted to beat USC, but I mean, they dominated them for the most part of the second half. Certainly after the six minute mark of the third quarter, and I watched that game, and I'm like, if they recover this offside kick, they are winning this game. I don't think that they would have gone for two, but they were smoking USC's defense to the point of like, why the heck not? Um, is there a silver lining you could take? So you know, when you go to Eugene and you lose the way that Colorado did. Uh, that's deflating. And it looked like it was headed in that direction. But when you come back and you really say, like, if there was two more minutes on the clock, we would have found a way to win. Can they take something from that loss? Absolutely. And, and I know Dion and, and uh, Shador Sanders both said there's no moral victories, but I think there really, there really are. Uh, you didn't get blown out like you did at Oregon, as you mentioned. So what do the, all those kids come out of there? Like if some of them, you know, weren't believing <laughs> We almost beat USC is, is, is what they can say to themselves at, at, at one of the top teams in the country. We were able to finally run the ball. You can't be a complete team if you can't run the ball. And they finally figured out a way uh, to run the ball as well. And now you can run, pass, and, and, and keep defenses on us. So I think there was a lot to take out of that. Like, hey, we were right there with them. And as Dion said, you guys better get me now because, yeah. you know, you're not going to have the opportunity later. So I, I think they had the... Uh, you know, I think it was a moral victory for sure because you look at the way the two teams were after that game, you might have thought Colorado won and USC lost. Uh, and I talked to uh, Pete Arbogast, the voice of USC football afterwards, and, and he said, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, you look at it and that might be how some people are feeling after this game, like SC lost, even though they didn't, NCU won. So uh, a lot to be gained of it, to, to be gained from that. Uh, and then, as Dion has said, Colorado has been a, a slow starting team all year. He's like, God, if we can put stuff together at the start of the game in the first and second quarters, like you mentioned, Arash, I, I mean, they just ran out of time. So, and, and bad clock management at the end as well. Uh, you had been watching this team, uh, and again, you you watched this team when they only won one game a year ago. But as you were watching them become the hottest football story in the country, what stood out to you from being on campus, being at the stadium, being on the sideline? Was there something that you saw or something that you encountered or something that you talked to? What was the highlight of the a trip? 
You know, I think just being there and seeing fans not leaving in the fourth quarter. I mean, the, the game I went to last year in Oregon, I mean, it was just like a mass exodus. Yeah. And so the fact, and Deion, Deion Sanders even mentioned this, like he appreciated that fan support the entire game. They did a whiteout. And I'm just telling you, like, the fact that there was a reason to stay for the end of that game, which, you know, hadn't been happening for Colorado football in years because they were always getting, you know, blown out. So one of the, that was one of the coolest things I saw. And then just, just the life and the energy on campus. It's just different, you know, when you're winning. Uh, so uh, pretty cool again, to just to see that stadium still packed the whole game. So I, I think we made a wager and I don't know if we put a point spread, probably uh, <laughs> if we did, you would have won 21 uh, point spread, 21 points, I think. By the way, GA, I think there was a hook there where I'm like, I think USC uh-huh. might win by 21, but I think that they were favored by 21 and a half. Um, I forgot if I made the wager with uh, Jihei or Jill, but we're going to put some Scout and Cellar wine on the line uh, Jill, just transitioning into that, uh, what is the wine of the week, if you have it? Of course I do. Tango, tango. This is a New Zealand Syrah. Mm. So Syrah is not usually a red that people, you know, may just always go, people always go to a cab or a red blend, maybe a Merlot. Uh, but uh, uh, the Syrah from New Zealand, um, great place for Syrah grapes uh, to grow. This is from the Hawks Bay in New Zealand. So Scout and Cellar does these, you know, small lots all around the world. Um, and New Zealand is a great one for Syrah. I've personally never been to New Zealand, but until I can get there, I drink, drink some Syrah from, from New Zealand. And by the way, I'm not sure who owes who wine either, because I don't think we were clear. <laughs> I know, right. The- points, point spread, but uh, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, okay, so if, if, to tell us how, how they can get the wine again, and is, is there a, like a club where, you know, I kind of love those clubs where, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll send you wine each month. How can they get the Scout and Cellar wine? Well, Arash, we have some great clubs. We have a six-bottle red. We've got some four-bottle mixes, and, and mm. uh, you can go to scoutandcellar.com. That's S-C-O-U-T-A-N-D. C-E-L-L-A-R.com slash Jill Painter. Uh, I can always help people out. But yeah, we have uh, uh, some great clubs where you don't even have to think about it. Four bottles, six bottles, 12, whatever. You get to choose everything, how often you want it, monthly by monthly, quarterly, etc. And we got some great prices. Shipping is included in those clubs. So a really uh, awesome deal. And you can get wines like these uh, Tango Tango Syrahs from uh, New Zealand. So scoutandseller.com slash Jill Painter. And again, no added sulfites, no added sugars, mm. uh, no added carbs. Uh, and these wines are made without pesticides on the crops, etc. I love that. So, uh, G.A., we'll have to do a scout and cellar night. Invite uh, Jill and uh, some of our friends. Uh, Jill, I, I think hopefully people will be enjoying some wine during this postseason for the Dodgers. 11th straight year, they're playing in the division series. Um, Incredible. Why do you think this see again, this season kind of came out of nowhere. Not that anyone thought that they would be bad, but I don't think anyone thought that they'd win the division. The Padres were the prohibitive favorites. No one thought they'd win a hundred games. Um, they, they've kind of all blended and gelled and really put together an amazing season. Uh, they do face the uh, Diamondbacks. Uh, game one of the National League Division Series is uh, this weekend. Your thoughts on the Dodgers as they head into the postseason? Well, certainly, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the Dodgers uh, quietly were 
you know, motoring along this year. I think uh, all of us, uh, and when I say all of us, I mean in baseball, kind of take them for granted. And we thought it might be a quote unquote down year. And you mentioned that still get into those 100 wins, et cetera. And, and I honestly think it's a lot of the young guys that have really, um, you know, helped out that James Altman, what a surprise he's been uh, in the outfield and, and with the bat and, and Bobby Miller uh, pitching. So some of those guys have helped to, uh, you know, fill in some of the holes. You know, I, I certainly think they miss a, a JT a ton um, and, you know, some others as well. But I think if you look over all the matchup against the Diamondbacks is they're able to score a lot of runs uh, against the D-backs, and they are uh, outscored them 72-47 to 47 this season. And that's maybe going to have to be the theme uh, for the Dodgers, is to, just to, you know, score eight runs a game to make sure you win, because the pitching is, is certainly a little um, questionable. I know we've got the Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw throwing game one, um, but as Dave Roberts said on this uh, the podcast with the uh, New York Post with Joel Sherman and, and John Heyman uh, earlier this week, uh, you know, it's going to be, they're just going to use that whole compilation of, of pitchers. So you're going to see bullpen game, uh, et cetera. So it's not going to be that traditional, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Walker Bueller, Dustin May going one yeah. games, one, two, three, which I personally, that's, I mean, that's what you want. You yeah. want your top guys, which the Dodgers have always had, uh, you know, throwing, uh, you know, five, six innings, and then you get to the bullpen. So I think it's certainly going to be a, a bit of a question mark with the pitching. Uh, you know, I love that Kershaw's going game one at age 35, and, and, and we'll see how he can do. He's not 100% because of that shoulder injury, but he hasn't had a lot of miles in the second half of the season. Uh, certainly missed over a month, so I think that bodes well. Um, you know, for the Dodgers, kind of got a fresh arm there. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But uh, uh, Bobby Miller uh, should do well. He's done well all year, but... Certainly question marks with the young guys. By the way, folks, a packed Saturday in Los Angeles. Plan accordingly. We don't know uh, the game time yet for game one of the National League Division Series at Dodger Stadium, but you have U of A at USC. You have Washington State at UCLA. You have Vegas Golden Knights playing the Kings in a preseason game. And, of course, the Dodgers playing the Diamondbacks in game one of the Division Series. So a lot going on. Uh, Jill, to the other baseball team in Los Angeles, Phil Nevin will not be returning as the manager. I don't know or think that that moves the needle at all with Shohei Otani's decision. Your thoughts on where that team goes from here? I think there was a lot of talk about would would Mike Trout not want to be back. It it does seem like he's uh, content there. Um, Your thoughts, where they go from here, I guess. It's a big unknown, that's for sure. Um, You know, they weren't, they didn't uh, trade Otani uh, at the deadline, so they weren't able to get a lot of assets, uh, you know, which I think is a bummer for that franchise. Um, Bill Nevin is certainly not the problem. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, perhaps they make a change in the offseason uh, up top, either with uh, Perry Manazian at GM or, or you know, does, I, I know he's explored it before, but does Artie Moreno uh, decide to sell the team? What is Shohei Otani going to do? Uh, what is Trout going to do? Because uh, we've seen the reports that uh, the Angels would be willing um, to trade Trout if Trout uh, wanted a trade. So now that, you know, I don't think Trout was ever going to uh, demand a trade. That's not the kind of guy he is after he signed a lifetime tra- uh, contract. But because the Angels have said, and which I think they should have, I mean, he's only been, you know, played in three playoff games his entire career. He's in his 30s, you know, his, his, his prime is kind of gone. And, and, and he was such a, 
um, you know, three-time MVP and certainly he dealt with some injuries over the last few years, but he deserves an opportunity to be in the playoffs and the angels haven't showed uh, anything. I think that they are going to get there anytime soon. So if he wants a trade, he's uh, he can do that. Um, and then, you know, the Otani sweepstakes, who's going to be able to, uh, to pay him the 500 million uh, will be really cool to see uh, how that works out. But I just, uh, they just, Angels kind of seem stuck, you know? Yeah. Uh, before we uh, wrap up, um, I have been so enthralled with the Rams this season, and now they get Cooper Cup back. But the story of Puka Nakua uh, is, is my favorite so far. Uh, no wide receiver, no player in the history of the National Football League through four games has had more receptions, more receiving yards. Um now they get Cooper Cup back, Jill, and it, it's sort of like, you know, it, if Stafford can continue to get the protection that he has gotten, uh, if now you're looking at a wide receiver uh, group of Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, Cooper Cup, and Vic Jefferson, uh, mm-hmm. how good can this Rams be, team be? I mean, again, this is how crazy it's been. At the beginning of the season, people were wondering if they would tank for Caleb Williams. That's certainly not the case. Now we're talking about them potentially being a playoff team. I mean, it's it, it's really insane, and I I still you know they started the season off on such a great night, a great note by going a, into Seattle and beating Seattle, which I didn't think they could do. So it was like all of a sudden, you know, we went from this storyline of Matthew Stafford isn't connecting with these younger players to oh my god, he is connecting and connecting on the field. Uh, you mentioned Puka Nakua, and he just scored his first touchdown. Happens to be the game winning. Uh, touchdown, of course, uh, in overtime uh, against the Colts. So that was uh, pretty cool. And you mentioned all the receivers, and then you have tight end Tyler Higby. I mean, how can a defense cover all of them? So Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of up to the Rams defense to be able to shut teams down because this offense is going to score, and it's going to score a ton of points as long as uh, Stafford uh, stays healthy. You mentioned Cooper Cup coming back. So now you got Cup and Nakua. (laughs) <laughs> and all those other receivers you mentioned, Jefferson, Atwell, and it's like, I just don't think teams are, are, are going to be able to to shut everybody down. And Cooper Cup has needed that big time, that other big time receiver, um, you know, for defenses to stay honest. And so I think that's that's pretty cool. And he's such a great storyline. Uh, uh, all of his brothers played football as well. And, you know, going from uh, Washington and a power five school to, to BYU and, and, and uh, you know, getting an opportunity because of that Cooper Cup injury and showing what he can do. I don't think anybody predicted that he would be like this on this NFL level, that the speed, the hands that, I mean, he's just fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really been incredible. Uh, GA, real, real quick, because you were the first one training camp uh, to tell me about yeah. Puka Nakua, but we're about to close out here. Yeah, you know, um, I'll, just, I'll just say one thing about Puka. Don't, never count that kid out, man. He's a stud. He's, uh, it's so sad that he even went as far down in the draft as he did. Um, what a talent. I, I can't wait to see him flourish. I can't wait to see um, how they have that balance between him and Cooper Cup. Yeah. And he gets those touches, you know, once, once Cup gets back on that field. I'm excited for Rams football, man. Right? I can't believe I never thought I'd say that. I never thought I'd say that, but... Uh, my Giants are out, <laughs> so go Rams. You got to transition into your love of the Rams. Um, all right, Jill, you're the best. We'll have you back on. Definitely going to have to set up the Scout and Cellar Wine Night so we can try all these amazing wines that you have. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have for today. 
Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.